This episode is sponsored by Lendex and Tangleswap. Lendex is a decentralized IOTA-based multi-cross-chain decentralized application and lending protocol. This is IOTA's lending and stablecoin. And about Tangleswap, well, whether you are looking for a world-class decentralized exchange or simply want to make the most out of your tokens by staking, liquidity farming or investing, Tangleswap puts the whole universe of DeFi at your fingertips. Three, two, one. Welcome back to a new episode, guys. Uh, I'm here with a familiar name. She's uh, part of the Aona Foundation, but she's also part of a lot of very different, very interesting projects as well. Welcome to the podcast, Mariana. Hi, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for taking the time. Um, busy days these days, I can imagine. Yep. Uh, yeah, they're, they're getting more and more busy. Yeah. Um, before we dive into a little bit what's your role in the IOTA Foundation and the different projects that you've been working on, um, could you tell us the story on how you ended up in the crypto space and then how you ended up at IOTA? Um, sure. So I'm a lawyer by training and I did uh, some post-degree studies in human rights and humanitarian law. And I was actually working on that with like in the development sector. I work with like different international NGOs in child protection, justice. I work also with the Colombian government back in the days, um, helping them to do research on the transitional justice they were doing uh, during the conflict. And then I moved to Germany. And of course, I wanted to keep doing something on the area of human rights. And I got super interested in in, in blockchain in particular because I saw the potential that the technology had uh, to accelerate some of the issues that I saw in the organizations in the development sector. And lucky me, at that time when I started to look uh, for jobs in the sector, I saw an opening in the IOTA Foundation for a social impact project manager. And that's how I uh, started in the foundation back in 2018. Mm. And you, you haven't been too exposed to crypto before that? Um, not in particular. I was like reading a lot, but like more than the crypto, I was more interested on the blockchain part. So yeah. what was the potential of the technology uh, to real, to like solve problems that we have in the day to days, especially coming from the development sector, you see how frustrated sometimes is working uh, with these organizations because um, the secondary agendas that they have, the pressure they have, the limitations in resources, uh, and also the like, process are really slow. So what I wanted or like what I was researching at the time was uh, how we can use the technology to not actually like put new things out there, but actually solve issues that we have in society right now. So that was like the perfect match. Um, at that time, IOTA had the social impact team, and this team was dedicated to work with uh, grants that we had um, with uh, Horizon 2020 grants, um, mostly uh, projects that they have, uh, that we have with the European Commission. There were some projects um, in the Horizon with the Canadian government for climate, I'm sure you already, or like everyone knows Matthew Jagger and the amazing job he did with um, with Climate Check and Tom Bauman uh, with the DMRB project. Uh, we have really cool projects uh, in Norway, actually, um, as well um, with uh, City Exchange um, about like the exploration of uh, smart buildings uh, for more sustainable cities. Uh, so all of those topics were uh, really close 
close to to my heart uh, mm. and it was like actually like the perfect match to like for me to start digging deep down on uh what blockchain was from a practical perspective while helping others as well mm-hmm. yeah um for for those that's been active um and keeping up with the, the news of uh, the Iota foundation um your name has been a name that's been popping up uh very often um and if you can explain to us what has been your role within the Iota foundation Sure. Um, so, well, I started with the social impact working uh, team, but uh, then we realized that, like, basically at that point, all the projects that IOTA was doing impacted social impact in a way or another. So the teams would merge and I moved to the market adoption team, but I keep doing uh, project management. Um, the team grew a lot at, at the time. We have like over 15 projects uh, with European, like not only European partners, but we also have like this project with the Canadian government. We have at some point um, the NIDO project that was also like with a Japanese uh, agent, like a governmental agency. Um, and last year, um, IOTA had like these. Uh, internal reorganization where we wanted to focus more the teams on the actually development of the protocol for for like actually support the community so they can they can use a, a quality technology and build on top of that but at the same time we realized that there was another key point if we wanted to actually create an environment where innovation can thrive and our community can thrive there was another component that we needed to start to pay more attention and this was the regulatory side um, the regulatory and legal team was already there and they were doing an amazing job. Um, when I entered, they were already monitoring, for example, uh, trial of fund regulation. They created an open letter that was presented to the to the EC back then. But uh, for my my background in law, uh, it was it was uh, the like a good move uh, once the the market adoption transition that I moved to the legal team and start to support with these initiatives that are like really important. Because you can have amazing ideas and amazing innovations out there, but if the regulation doesn't benefit the, doesn't benefit them, the only thing that we are doing is like actually like blocking from the legal side. Um, and we we actually took a really proactive role right now on on not only monitoring but actually like providing feedback and trying to stay on top of what is going on out there. Um, not only at the EU level, of course, we have like more priority here, um, but like checking everything that is happening on that side to ensure that um, the community is not going to be impacted or the industry is not going to be impacted with a with a piece of regulation, and. As I was also leading, or like I've been leading the team, one of the working groups in INASPA for the past three years, uh, I already had a lot of connections that that help us to do that easier. Mm. Um, INASPA has been going on for, for quite a while. Um, I can, I've seen it popping up several times. Um, but to the people that isn't too uh, involved in, in the keeping up, up to date, um, what is INASPA and what have you been going on there? So INATPA is the International Association for Trusted Blockchain Applications. And it's basically a forum where different stakeholders on the blockchain and crypto space can come together to work in different topics. So you have governmental bodies. We have the uh, Canadian government. We have uh, some governments for the MENA region. You have SAMBA, which is the South African Blockchain Association. 
And then you have, of course, uh, foundations like IOTA, Cardano, Algorand is there as well. Um, and you have like then like massive corporates um, that are also sitting on the table. And then we have six priority groups, working groups. We have an identity group, a finance group, um, standardizations, education, uh, missing one, <laughs> and the social impact and sustainability working group, uh, which is the one that I lead. I miss one, like everyone can Google uh, in Alpha working groups and you can see the six of them. And basically what we do is that uh, you have in a table like different organizations coming from both private public space, a small, big, huge enterprises. Um, and those that want to be active on those work working groups define a working plan and then that gets implemented during the course of a year. Uh, we have a voting system where we selected the leads of each of the working groups. As I said, like I've been leading that team for um, the past three years. IOTA has been within ADPA since 2019. We are funded members. Um, and then we implement different activities. So with the social impact working group, um, our main goal is mostly to do awareness raise and advocacy about the power of blockchain for good. Uh, and I can tell you more about that because that's where I'm. I'm been working, um, like spending a lot of my time lately. Uh, but we also intervene in other groups. For example, the finance group. Um, we uh, in ADPA was actually the one that presented most of the. So the micro micro regulation. I, I'm, I'm probably you know uh, or like uh, the people in the community have an idea what it is. Um, we got up uh, like the first version, and the first version was um, not so favorable for the industry. So in ADPA uh, consolidated a lot of feedback that was then handed over to the European institutions. And most of this feedback was actually incorporated in the new version of MICAR. So that's a really big win for, for us. And now we are doing similar things with the um, tax initiatives that are happening at the European level. And also the last two weeks, uh, we were super busy with the um, anti-money laundering regulation. Um, the data is also commenting, has reference to smart contracts and the definition of a smart contracts. So we are also collaborating uh, not only with INADPA, but with the European Crypto Association as well in a position paper that they are presenting. We are reviewing it and decided if we want to onboard and also support this initiative. Um, but yeah, that's basically what we have been doing at the regulatory uh, side. Um, every day is something new. <laughs> every day we get a new draft of a bill. So it's a lot of... Um, you need to have a lot of contacts and a lot of conversations and be really proactive to not only see what is out there, but understand what is happening and where the initiative, initiative can, can, can go. And with the social impact uh, group, um, actually like that presents a really opportunity to approach policymakers from uh, kind of like a topic that they have like, or like they understand better. Sometimes like blockchain is really complex and you are not talking there to developers, you're talking to policymakers that probably have no idea how certain things uh, work. So when you approach with uh, social impact use cases and you talk about how you can create financial inclusion, how you can uh, enhance uh, smart cities and more sustainable cities, uh, how you can impact the mobility sector uh, from a green point of view, then you are also talking about uh, agendas that they have, uh, such as like the Green Deal, for example. And then they get more interested. Um, there are like projects also that like have priority right now in, in Europe, for example, everything in regards to the energy transition for, for obvious reasons. Um, and we have been like, 
talking all the time to policymakers about the potential of what they can do with uh, blockchain for the energy transition. Transition. And last year, actually, our working group for the NALPA was recognized as one of the initiatives to pay attention and to follow and replicate uh, in the um, energy transition working paper that they published, which was really, really good because that means that they are looking and listening at, at what we are doing. Mm. Yeah, very impressive. And I, and I like to hear that there's a lot of activity in these groups. Um so there's three three main groups that you're part of, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying to pronounce them correctly. But what can we expect from the work with uh, Inatspa, um, the Global Business Blockchain Council, and the European Blockchain Observatory and Forum? Yeah, uh, so those are like different things, and those spaces are really important. So the GBBC is more present in the US, and uh, EU both is actually from is an initiative from the European Commission, while INADPA is more an, an uh, a forum from the industry. So in these three spaces, you sometimes have different people, sometimes you have the same people. Uh, but what these spaces offer is the possibility to uh, talk directly with regulators, have some visibility, and actually like when something needs to be addressed that you can present your position as the voice of the industry and not as an isolated position and this is really important when you talk about regulation because uh, everyone wants to do lobby but like if you do lobby alone it's like another small voice around there rather than when you present the whole voice of the industry together and say like okay this is going to impact negative or positive and this is going to be the consequences and this is what can happen with the innovation space in Europe for example um so just per se those are like really good spaces to be they also uh present um a lot of opportunities to participate in in, in other relevant spaces so I was invited to speak in COP26 and COP27 because of my role at INASPA uh, uh, with the EU both, we have been published a lot of, um, or like have been part of different reports. Um, I'm one of the experts uh, that they have a, a pool of experts that they consult for different things. And that's my relationship with the EU both. When they have reports or they have initiatives coming on, they they send these invitations to this pool of experts that they have. Laura Kaitasi from IOTA is also there. Um, and that's how we also like publish, I don't know uh, if you saw it like a, a couple of weeks ago, um, our article about tokenization that we wrote, um, that we wrote with, uh, with Nakama from the community about the general what in, in general like topics like what tokenization is and what tokenization can do for for innovation and it's like the abc so this is not for like super technical people but like actually for those outside the blockchain bubble to understand what tokenization is and how they can start in the future to think to actually uh, incorporate tokenization in what they're doing which is uh, really important. Like um, one of the things that we really advocate in all of these three groups is that like to actually reach out to those outside uh, of the blockchain bubble, because if we want to scale, we cannot scale inside of a bubble. Uh, and with these three organizations as well, so um, in NADPA, GBBC, EUBOF, and IOTA are part of an initiative called um, the BC100+. Plus which is an initiative that is like uh, has the support of the general of the president of the general assembly of the united nations and basically what this initiative is doing is trying to bridge blockchain projects working on the sustainability space or the social impact space or not even but like blockchain projects creating 
really interesting tools that can be later on uh, utilized or incorporated um, in projects implemented by UN agencies uh, or uh, NGOs or um, organizations in the development sector that are not in the Web3 space, but Web2, but want to see how they can incorporate Web3 uh, tools uh, into what they're doing to accelerate what they're doing. And this actually like presents a huge opportunity to, to scale uh, blockchain applications. Because when you're talking to the UN, you're not talking about like 100,000 people. You're talking about like millions of people that are involved in those projects. Uh, so there are already a couple of projects out there with the UN uh, and they have already started to show uh, results. So now more and more agencies, not only within the, the UN, but in the development sector, want to explore what to do with blockchain. Mm. Um, so what type of work has the team been doing uh, in terms of regulation? Oh, um, we have been doing um, a lot of things. Um, so uh, the last couple of weeks, we were uh, busy with the anti-money laundry regulation. Uh, we um, have like some conversations with uh, journalists uh, to actually like try to like we look like we work with them in like a couple of pieces to just alert the others in the in the industry that something was coming with the AML um, that could impact the industry um, in in a, in a negative way. Uh, and then we provided uh, also feedback directly to some of the parties that were working on the proposal. Um, right now, we are just uh, monitoring and waiting to see what is going to happen with the trialogues. Um, so that has been uh, one of the things that we have been doing lately. As I mentioned before, we are also working with the Data Act. Uh, we are reviewing and then monitoring what is going on because it has certain reference to smart contracts as well that we need to monitor. Uh, and before, I think last year we were working also with the with the trial of funds regulation. So the team also created an open letter that um, that they signed with like different partners, and actually they managed to incorporate some of the feedback that they that they did uh, into into the final the final version. So basically, it's a lot of like monitoring and commenting and discussions with the policymakers. But uh, other thing that we have been doing is um, there's like two main actions. Like the first one is uh, we notice how important it is also for the projects to understand what is going on in regulation. So because they will need to be compliant at some point. Um, so it's really important that they you know which laws are there, which regulations are there. So we started this series of let's talk about regulation uh, that is happening every every Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month. Um, and we invite experts from uh, different organizations to come and uh, actually present to the community what is going on with different topics. We have a session with MICAR, we have a session with um, NFTs, we have a session with GDPR, and this week we will have one uh, in the interception of um, refi and traffic, so traditional uh, finance and 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 decentralized finance, which is really interesting because this presents the opportunity for the community to get to know these experts, but also to make the questions that they have or like like just present all the doubts they have uh, that can impact their projects. And the other thing that we have been doing, but we have not been so uh, public about this uh, because the report is not ready. Uh, we are cooperating with a lobby organization in Brussels uh, that is helping us to create some roundtable with community members of the IOTA Foundation and policymakers. 
so they can have a close um, conversation that is not recorded, so they can actually like be completely transparent and honest, and they can talk about the the, the how specific parts of regulation can impact their projects. So we have a session on NFTs. We have a session in tokenization. We have a session in self-hosted wallets, and we are going to have one in SMEs. And from these four events, uh, we are going to publish a report with the main topics that were addressed on 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 those conversations. So, what are the concerns on the policymaker size, and how actually blockchain can address those concerns? Um, so it's going to be really interesting. We hope to publish it soon. We are missing one event that is going to happen soon. Um, we work with like some community members that we kind of like pick because of the specific use case they had and how they match certain uh, pieces of the regulation that we wanted to discuss. And the feedback has been amazing uh, from both sides, from both the community and the, the policymakers, because the community can understand a little bit better how regulation works and what are the concerns the policymaker has, like, like have in their minds and how they can address those issues better. But at the same time, it's a huge opportunity for the policymakers to actually understand what blockchain is, what is the potential that they like that the blockchain has, and talk directly with people in the industry that has no particular interest um, on, on the bill that they're negotiating, but like actually in, in their companies and their startups and their projects. And that's an, an honest and more human concern. So it has been a really interesting exercise, uh, and that comes together also with the DeFi survey that I ran a couple of months ago, months, no, weeks ago, um, uh, like everywhere, like on Twitter, LinkedIn, we ran this like, um, help us to define what DeFi is, and we collected inputs for 141 people, uh, and right now we are analyzing the information that we collected. And this report is also going to be shared with policymakers in a round table so they can see what is that the industry understand uh, for DeFi and what is the potential of DeFi and what is the borderline with the traditional financial system. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to keep my eyes open for, for those reports. Um, but one thing that you mentioned is that the... Uh is that these companies and these institutions and all this is looking into the crypto space to see what type of technology they can they can use and benefit from um one thing i've learned from doing this podcast uh speaking to so many fantastic people with the like expertise is that traditional places has a lot of things to to learn from crypto and can benefit by using um, the different technology aspects from their uh, specific use cases um but one thing I've always been wondering about is that do they see this? Because crypto can be like this scary place, it's a great place, it's not regulated, it's a lot of scams, it's a little bit small, it's, it's not really that far developed in, in the terms of it can be really be pushed into governments. Um, so do you see, think that the governments and the regulators see and actually understand the value of crypto technology? Yeah, well... It's like getting to grip with blockchain technology is not an easy task. And we are expecting that regulators come uh, and with full understanding of the current state of that industry that is changing every day. So that's a huge challenge uh, that we are trying to address. Um, that's why we are like enhancing these places or like we are promoting these places of dialogue between community and regulators because we actually believe that they, the, like, like the community 
projects, um, I heard the ones that should be explaining to the regulators, like what the technology can do, what they're building, and how this can help to address some of the challenges that we have out there uh, in terms of sustainability, in terms of social impact. All of this um, can be accelerated by, by the technology. And we need to create this dialogue because we cannot expect that they're going to learn by what they're like looking at Google or by what they're seeing in the news, like look at all the mess that we have with what happened in the US and how everyone panicked with this, uh, especially at the regulatory point of view as well. It's just like, whoa, uh, we cannot have these kind of situations happen in Europe. Like, what are we going to do? And it's like, wait, wait, one second. Like, this is not a problem of the technology. This is like a people problem. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting to have like those spaces. Now, uh, what I mentioned that we are doing with the BC 100 plus is exactly that, but um, but with um, but like within a specific sector. So what we are doing is creating a bridge where NGOs, UN agencies, develop big uh, uh, international organizations working on the development sector can talk directly to projects, and they can see how they can work together. So I received couple of questions, for not to say a lot, from organizations, um, I don't know, Save the Children, the GI said, um, work for program, it's like, we are looking for a project in the blockchain sector that is working on financial inclusion. We are working for a project that is working on clean water. We are working for a project, we are looking for a project that is working on sustainable mining. And this, this organization need to come to me for me to um, pinpoint projects that I know on the top of my head. Uh, for them to contact them. And this is what is happening right now, not only with me, but with different uh, different experts in the sector that they get approached and they need to pinpoint, select some projects and send. What we wanted to do is in a space where these organizations don't depend on us, but they can talk directly to this project. So uh, we need to create this community where they say like, okay, I'm looking for a project working on financial inclusion uh, via microfinancing. These are all the projects that are there. This is the projects that are working specific in solutions that I'm interested in. I go directly talk to them and say, hey guys, do you interested to like working with us in this? Um, and this is also a huge opportunity for the projects because uh, not they only get like the right kind of visibility, but also these projects normally have like a lot of target audience, which means that the project can scale like easily. Uh, and this can also track other other type of resources like more impact uh, investment or angel investments that are not so interested on the technology part, but actually like the, the final impact that those solutions can, can address. Um, so there's already a lot of, projects that are are working with 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 this kind of organization there are also like projects working with the government um energy NIP, for example is an iota community member and they are working with the municipalities in the netherlands um with a project that, that they have really interesting is like local vouchers where they collect information about uh the energy consumption of people and in exchange they get rewarded with like some vouchers that they that they can exchange in um in local in local stores so it's, it's really interesting because it's like like different parts of the use case are um for example the the data collection part and then you have the reward system and then you have the incentivization of the local um, local economies and they are doing that with like money from the municipalities and they they scale like not long ago and now they are also supporting the municipality in distributing um, relief for families that were heavily impacted by the change in the energy prices. 
Uh, you also have SUSE here in Germany. That is one of the projects that um, the Iota Foundation has that is also uh, um, on the energy space and is directly financed by, by, the, by the German government. Um, there's other examples outside the community. Uh, you have El Salvador right now, which has, I think that was the first country worldwide in accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. So I think that like we have like seen like this like spotlights like all around the world with like cooperation between traditional institutions and web three institutions or like or companies and projects are starting to to pop up. Mm. Um you mentioned that there's a different um crypto projects involved, which is Cardano, IOTA, Algorand. Um so is this sort of like a competition where like the uh, the institution put forward something they want to to sort of um um solve a problem they have or something like that and then cardano comes with their solution you guys come with your solution and uh, algorand comes with one solution and then the, the corporation is kind of pick and choose like okay like we, we want that like do you have to sell iota in this space or is this more like a discussion what like in general space um well if we are talking about uh in aqua i guess that is where mm -hmm. all of us are um no is not a place where you need to compete. Actually, we are there helping each other. Like we just, as I mentioned, like it's really important to present one voice of the community. Mm. Uh, not, not the community, but like oh, when I mean community, I don't know, like talking about like the community one specific foundation, but like the industry itself. So it's a really interesting place because there we are not competing with each other to who is the best and nothing like that. We are just actually like, trying to identify priorities for the industry that we can push together. And depending on like, who is active, of course, there is more recognition. Like, for example, I lead one of those teams, so I always try to invite IOTA community projects to join all the activities that we are doing. Um, well, if they call me to speak, I will, of course, talk about IOTA first. Mm. Um and but like it's more like a cooperative environment rather than a competitive one uh, when we are inside of 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 Inadpa. When when I sit there, I sit like more with like a neutral uh, position where I want to push the industry forward, and by doing that, I'm also pushing IOTA forward. Mm, yeah, fantastic. Um, and also the thing that at least as far as i know um governments and all that it takes a lot of time for them to, to adjust and to adopt new ways and especially stuff like this which is a sort of a brand new way to to do things um is there any guesses when a government would start using this technology knowing governments usually takes a lot of time to change governments are already using this technology like as i mentioned uh energy nip is financed by um the municipalities in the netherlands uh this is governmental money this is state money uh susa here as well um if you think more at the uh the needle project was also financed by the japanese government so there are already like projects out there where governments are looking and experimented to what how they can use it um for the projects to scale to a massive level, um, I think we still need some time. So we can prove uh, with like use cases that actually this is the way that to move forward. Um, we use, uh, in IOTA, we use the, the concept of uh, lighthouse projects. And there are all of these projects that we have been implemented or we have been involved and that uh, we have been like slower by shortly hand over to the community so we can prioritize uh, the, the the core development um but these projects present not only an example but actually an inspiration of 
what can happen and what will be a good direction for the industry to move forward. And IOTA is not the only one that has that concept. Uh, within NADPA and the BC100+, Plus, we call them flagships. And it's projects that already, because of the, um, the amount of people that are um, helping, if you want to put it like that, uh, when you talk about social impact and, and, and sustainability matters, uh, or the amount of impact that they are creating, they are amazing good examples to advocate for the industry itself because you can say like look we have this project doing reforestation um and we have like uh carbon credits and a carbon market and this is how we are like 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 creating a like a, a circular economy here where like people is going to get this like a market credits and that's, that money is going to be injected again in the organizations that are working on the reforestation of the forest so we are creating a complete sustainable system to sustain those forests and that's something that is really interesting for like governments uh, we have the green deal and like the sdgs and the un charter right now that push on that direction and if you say hey uh yeah uh you have a, doing an, an amazing work but with blockchain, you can do it better and faster. That's a really great argument for them to start exploring what to do. Mm, yeah, it it's, uh, really is an exciting topic. And um, and I, as you said, it uh, it's probably takes a lot more time to get it to a bigger scale. But it's pretty pretty impressive that they're already playing around with it. Um, and it's, it's not actually small scale either. Like EnergyNIP does it on a like a semi-big scale, in my opinion. It's just like yeah. 50,000 people, which is... Um, just quite a, quite a good amount for 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 a good test it depends on what you call big <laughs> we have like also um building blocks which is a project with the world from program and here we are talking about millions mm. uh so it's really interesting to see that this initiative are already um going there um i i guess like the scale also depends of like what is your target audience um for energy nip and for the size of the team and how long they have been there i think that they are doing an amazing amazing work like they are one of the projects that i always use as example um but yeah it's a lot of work it requires a lot of patience sometimes you have policymakers that are really open to the topic and some that are not so open <laughs> and then you need um to have like conversations over over and over and over and over with them uh, and it's also like part of like an education process um, with them because the fact like blockchain is not easy and I'm not a technical person I'm a lawyer and I needed to read a lot and study a lot and <laughs> and I still feel that like I cannot um, grasp the full concept as a developer will do but we cannot expect also that a developer understands how the regulatory system works uh, line by line you, you know what I mean? So we are talking mm. to two different kind of people and we need to put them together to speak the same, the same language. Um, and that's part of what we are doing. So how do we simplify certain topics so the regulators can understand what is going on from, from in, in easy words so they don't put barriers because it's too complex and I don't want to know about that. Like, I don't understand it. I don't want it close, you know? Mm. So how we present topics in an easy way so they say like, okay, this is really interesting. I want to hear more. I want to understand how this works and if it needs to be regulated and how it needs to be regulated, not only to protect consumers, but also to, to enhance innovation. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, it's definitely a very interesting topic and um. I think we probably are going to see more and more of these type of projects popping up. Um, and I really love that you're always bringing in the idea of, um, not the foundation, but the community projects into these projects so they can start off, get a get a good ground and um, start to, to explore the new ways they can do. 
I think it's a symbiotic relationship there because I kind of need like also to put examples and we have like so many good projects in the community and they present actually for me like the perfect open line if I want to talk about actual real projects that are going on there well I don't need to go that far because I have a lot of like projects in the community that I can reach out and normally everyone is super happy when I reach out and say like hey guys I need um I have this conversation with like this particular target and I need a good example of sustainable agriculture. Do you want to be that example? So they, they get super happy about it and and they participated and people also like said, oh, wow, that's a really cool project when we can hear more about this. So it's, it's a win-win for, for both of us, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for taking the time coming explain this to us. And um, I'm looking forward to, uh, to see some more updates and then we could probably do another one down the road. Um, so thank you guys for, for listening and uh, I'll see you next time. Cheers.